1: And welcome back everybody to another episode of Bub and the Bloom, episode twenty-three. We're going to start our positional reviews of the twenty twenty-two fantasy baseball season. See what we can learn from last season to get ready for twenty twenty-three and beyond. Lots of fun stuff there. A little playoff talk as well as the uh, divisional series are blowing and going. Second games of the National League are going tonight as we talk, and there's a game that's really, really good that hopefully ends the way it's going right now. But I'm not going to say anything else. You can find me on Twitter at bdentric. My co-host is always on Twitter at Ryan B Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing,
2: man? I'll say it. we got we got Padres, Padres, Dodgers. We got you rooting against the Dodgers. It's um, it's a heck of a heck of a game it might it, there may be like pauses in our podcast which doesn't make for great podcasting but that's okay it's been um it's been a hell of a postseason so far man like every series has been has been really fun and i know we talked about this a little last week like what we're doing for postseason. and i kind of said like just like watching this as a fan and uh this is why like it's been uh it's been high drama high entertainment pretty much across the board so far it's been it's been sweet yeah, you had the four games to
1: start off the uh, wild card round on the same day. Yeah, just, it was just nonstop yes. action. You saw the uh, – I don't like saying it this way, but it was the biggest collapse probably in postseason history by the Jays versus the Mariners that helped the Mariners get through, which was pretty awesome to see. The, we talked about it before the show, the J-Rod show, even in their loss to the Astros in game one. He's like the youngest player since I think it was, it was Ted Williams that had a double and a triple in, his, uh, in, in the same postseason game. So uh, he's been awesome. But, yeah, other than that, it's just, it's, it's you know, the Guardians are doing Guardian things like we kind of thought they would with that pitching staff they've got. And um, it's, it's been some good ball, some very good ball, and the Padres are trying to keep it interesting. The The National League uh, has been the more interesting and more competitive of the two, the league so far. They've had to go three
2: games, and now we might have
1: both series tied at one right out the gate. So we got some fun in the
2: NL. Yeah, uh, the NL was, was wild. Just I mean, the whole Joe Musgrove thing on oh, Sunday night. <laughs> you see uh, McCutcheon's the tweet? Ears. Uh, no, I did not.
1: McCutcheon tweets out during the game and goes, I bet you it's just like, I think you call it Frank's hot, the Frank's hot sauce. He's all, yeah. I bet you it's just Frank's hot sauce. All the, a lot of pitchers do it to keep themselves alert on the mound. It has nothing to do with stickiness of the pitch. It just keeps them like alert because it's so hot on their ears. So they'll
2: hit their ears, and, like rub them close to their eyes and stuff to keep them going. like a modern day adderall or something Yeah, that's insane i'm like i might try that at first pitch because that's going to be like a a three-day just non-stop thing so because
1: austin riley was talking about it on the Chris Rose rotation he's like he's like i don't know what it was because he was playing he's like i don't know what it was but i've seen pitchers do it and i think it's the craziest thing in the world i want nothing to do with anything hot near my hands that might go somewhere else (laughs) he's like i'm not doing it
2: that was um I mean that was the kicker to that series I mean that was just that was just wild the uh, the Phillies I say sweeping but two over St. Louis just that that uh collapse in game one where I think Philadelphia scored six runs in the ninth to win and um just nuts how did we do so I we both picked Cleveland we both yep. picked Seattle yep um though I did I did win a beer bet with joe Orico yeah during the show uh last week so that i'll, I'll pick that as a half l um I, I know i picked the mets and i did I pick the, the phillies i took the mets as well i think i, took, I think i took them i think we all took the same ones in the first round
1: i think mm. so I, I think we were all the same on the first round more it's more still, great podcast yeah maybe. i think it gets more interesting though as we go on here because i know i went houston and you i think went seattle again no, I went Houston. You went Houston. So uh, Guardians and both went
2: Cleveland. I went. I went Philly over Atlanta. So that's, that's what it was. I took Florida.
1: Atlanta, and then I took the Mets
2: over the Dodgers. You took the Dodgers, I think. Yeah, yeah, so, that's right. So, um, I'm so you've right, got that. Right you've right got, right got that March Madness. You know, multiple yeah. cross out. That yeah, that one, you know, That part of the bracket's already do. gone. That one's gone. <laughs> it's a bad feeling, but we don't. We yeah. don't have anything on the line for this one. No, I, no, I already I, owe you enough. I'll stop doing... it. I'll stop it. Free golf. Mercy.
1: Tapping yeah, out on this right. one, it's, it's it. You got me already.
2: But no, it's been fun. And then doing do uh, you know watching watching the postseason while writing forecaster blurbs has been super busy. Like we are fully hundred percent going on trying to get the forecaster out by Thanksgiving, which we will. But uh, doing that, getting ready for first pitch, it's um, like I said last week. It, this is actually like my busiest time of year, and I knew it was coming, and here we are. But uh, yeah. nice to kind of get away from it a little bit. Talk to you tonight and reflect back on uh, corner infield. Yeah, these
1: are some of my favorite episodes, actually, because it kind of goes back, it kind of ties into what we did last week, is where we kind of learn from the previous season and going back now and reviewing to see this is how i like at least myself and i know toby and then other people we realized just how good paul goldschmidt was in 2021 like he, he kind of mm-hmm. just he was so good but he kind of just like didn't really get talked about a lot and you started digging in on their player radar and all i think so that stood out and then some other players that maybe didn't achieve as well but still we thought did like little things like that kind of open your eyes either dig in more or uh for your 2023 prep which is a good way to kind of take a slow approach to get ready. Like we're not going to jump into 2023 right now, but this is a way to start kind of getting the wheels turning as Ryan's writing his stuff. I'm going to start writing black book stuff pretty soon. I'm starting to look into some other articles on stuff We're we're still doing things. So don't worry about that. And this is a good way to kind of get the brain working. So as Ryan said, we'll do first base and third base tonight. We middle infield next week. Um, Ryan put together a nice chart using the playerator and also the ADPs. Uh, Ryan, when were these ADPs for?
2: Yeah, so and I'll also, I mean, episode will come out Thursday morning. So I'll tweet this out Thursday morning as well. Uh, but basically took this, of course, Bloomboard style, because you know, yep, you can't that's what we do. can't can't go against the brand or anything, but took the main event ADP. So this was ADP in late, pretty much late March, early April. There were like Perfect. 47, I think, main event drafts. So 15 team league, five by five. Um, of course, and so I basically just compared that with uh, for each position, ranked them all by their their ADP, and then compared that with just where they ended up at the end of the season in terms of ranking uh, from Rasball Player Raider, And big shout out to Rasball; they do a great job with uh, with Rudy with his tools. Yeah, Gray's Gray's all right too. <laughs> um, the the Rasball tools are are amazing, oh, really? and the Rasball Player Raider is kind of like. I don't know it's kind of the like industry standard for looking at player values and that sort of thing. So I use it all the time. It's um yeah, it's super and they actually if you go on there, they have it's I don't know how he does this. Well, so I, I guess I do, but Rudy's got historical player values back to the, like nineteen oh five. Crazy stuff or something. Crazy it, stuff. it it um yeah, check it out. It definitely I don't yeah, go go check it out. It it definitely puts Aaron Judges 2022. Yes. In, in perspective um, just just how good he was but but anyway that was the main premise here is i i just wanted to take the the position ranking by adp we're going to compare that with how how guys ended up at the end of the year at that position um i mean one just thing about like projections and or not not really projections but valuation is like you can get so hung up on the details of like this is a 20 dollar player versus an 18 dollar player so much of that depends on like what hitter pitcher split you use like all this stuff. So yep. try to just keep it simple and say, you know, end of season ranking versus preseason ranking. And, yep. you know, not going to be the most um, precise measure out there, but I think it's the simplest. And so it's nice nice to be able to see everyone ordered by preseason ADP and then color coded the uh, the end of year ranks.
1: Yeah, and I like it that way too, because the dollar values, it could be different based on your league, but there's so many so many factors involved there. So there, there are
2: entire like, books
1: written yeah. about that stuff. So yeah. it, it can be a whole different animal. It's like SGP is a great thing, but that can be a whole like there's so many different things. It's, it's, it's definitely based on what you got going on. And now Josh Hader's coming into the game. This is gonna get fun. Um yeah, I'll try not to cut away too often, but this is already gonna get me nervous. Let's go to first base and we'll kind of hop around and it's gonna be a free-flowing section. We got a couple things we're going to hit on. But uh, the first takeaway, I will say right out the gate, because like Ryan said, it's a Bloomberg format. So you see the greens, you see the reds, the colors that stand out. The top five first basemen finished as the top, in the top six at the player Raider. So in theory, in theory, you pretty much got your value out of the guys. Like the first first baseman on the board was Ladito, ADP of six. He was the fourth ranked. Freddie was second. Olsen was sixth. Alonzo was third and Goldie was first. And he was the fifth off the board at pick 66. So middle around four in a 15 teamer. So, overall, if you went first base early, Ryan, it looked like it did not get you. It helped you. You, you were just fine. You got uh, 30 plus home runs from four out of the five, which was big, and five stolen bases from more out of four of the five. So, they weren't just empty. So, I think, you know, we always, well, not always, but there's a lot, there's a large group that says, oh, you can just wait on first basemen. I know one thing I'm going to mention is there was like a couple of pockets of first basemen. If you waited, you could target. Well, if you went early, you got power and you got some pretty good production.
2: You absolutely did. And the, yeah, the market nailed that top five. And it was an interesting and I, I'm just kind of thinking back to some of the discussions that, you know, that even we had when we started the show right before draft day was um, kind of just like a, a pocket of first basemen uh, in in Olsen, Alonzo, Goldschmidt. that were all kind of similar, like good average, great power, uh, varying stolen bases. And a lot of these guys, I think, kind of slipped because they didn't have the steals. There was such an emphasis on grabbing early stolen bases that your Olsen's Alonzo's, and Goldschmidt's kind of kind of slipped down. And so um that was interesting. And and like you said, Bubba, it actually it turns out that like I mean, Alonzo had five steals, Paul Goldschmidt had seven, which is kind of more or less in line. It's <laughs> it's funny. I have Goldschmidt. Um, I had his box for the baseball forecaster, and I realized when writing him up, he has not been thrown out since 2019. It's been over three years since so uh, Paul smart. Goldschmidt has been cost stealing. Doesn't attempt a lot, but seven steals. Um, crazy thing is, like, Vlad Jr. had had eight yep. steals. Uh, yep. Freddie Freeman had 13, and we kind of knew Freddie Freeman, you know, steals were part of the game. But to that extent, I don't know. Vlad definitely. Not. I mean, that was there was a whole, you know, Twitter. Back and forth all draft season. That if you were starting with with Vlad, you're putting yourself at a total pit in stolen bases. And well, real quick, I
1: don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but oh, all of his steal all of his steals were in the second half too.
2: Where that? So go? I don't know. Oh,
1: wow. I don't know what changed. Because I remember hearing some I looked it up right now. All eight steals were in the second half of the season so Ed wild. that's something to keep that's something that i don't know if like a beat writer could kind of look into that a bit or there's got to be some philosophy that changed the health thing that
2: changed i don't know but why would you go from zero to eight That's like a, that's a large jump for a big boy yep yeah the other like just kind of interesting thing here too is like so vlad ended up so he was like the sixth overall pick um so you didn't obviously didn't get full value there but didn't obviously didn't sink your season 274 batting average 32 homers 8 steals. I had I mentioned this before um on the show drafted Matt Olson in the late third round of my main event. So we pretty much right at adp like 44. Got me 240 34 homers. Like guys that didn't kind of early round picks that didn't re- fully return the value, but that's not something you can always expect from your early round guys. You just you don't want to avoid those landmines and uh yeah, I storm to
1: crush you. That's
2: it exactly and uh yeah the market like you said just kind of nailed it five out of the you know the top five all finished in the top six which is um pretty impressive which is
1: crazy yeah i'm not gonna, we're not doing third base yet but i just looked to the right and i'm
2: like <laughs> market nailed that one too it's um it's like it's like <laughs> wow god these people know what they're doing <laughs> the yes, market actually like, is like smart this game is very hard
1: that's so, what, yeah, it's just, yeah, it sums up how difficult this game is because then there's the landmines in the middle when you think you can like take a value and it just destroys everything. Um, kind of goes back to one of my L's last week. But uh, when you jump down after the big five that we just mentioned, you got Abreu at pick 97, Hoskins at 118, and Krone at 128. Uh, Abreu was kind of in a, a world of his own, still finished 11th, did very well, 304, 15. The power wasn't quite what it was. I don't know if it's maybe the age, just kind of a down season, but the average was still there. But then you had that, that grouping of like Hoskins, Krone, Bell walsh that was like a big group even Votto, you could throw into that mix that was like the first pocket like i i I had two pockets if i didn't go early this was one of them and obviously for anybody that's paid attention to anything i do i'm a a reese's pieces guy 10th on the player raider which is huge crone was seventh i would love it and i bet you rudy's got a way to do it i'd love to compare his home versus road player raider because his road numbers were atrocious this year so that's an interesting one there was cj crone but then you know Muncy was disappointing. Bell was okay. Cronenworth actually produced, I think, a lot better raider wise than people think with 17 numbers and three stolen bases. I think you had like, your Mount Castles of the world, but Votto crushed you. Jared Walsh crushed you. Oh. Max Muncy crushed you in that range. So you still have a bunch of really good players here, but you know from seven six to like 14, you're starting to find some landmines that are starting to make this a little more interesting for you.
2: Yeah, it really started to fall apart if you waited on first base until like maybe the ninth, 10th round of 15 teamers. So starting around that Max Muncie um, area, um, because there were there were Muncie included. But like you said, Walsh, Votto, uh, there were a lot of lands, landmines in that spot. I do remember talking a lot about and and you you mentioned Bubba, you mentioned Reese Hoskins, like. You could kind of get similar production from that tier of Hoskins, Crone, Abreu at a cheaper cost than your Olsen, Alonzo, Goldschmidt. That kind of worked. Like from a batting average standpoint, Reese Hoskins hit 246, Crone 257. Um, a little bit lower than kind of that that upper cohort, but in terms of homers gave you 30 and 29 home runs respectively. So like that part kind of worked, you didn't get the kind of full fledged production that you would have out of a Freeman Alonzo Goldschmidt, but you still hit pretty well if you went Hoskins or Crone. So that was, um, that was interesting. You mentioned Abreu, you, and I think it was uh, I think it was Scott Jensad said, who, who tweeted this out um, and to kind of build on your, probably your Vlad second half thing. I think Abreu only had five home runs in the second. I, like I didn't realize, um Abreu only only I didn't really didn't have him anywhere. Only hit fifteen home runs. That's a pretty, that's a that's a very low number for someone who especially uh, hitting three or four. Exactly, he exactly. You, think, you think he's still going produce power? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, still ended up eighty-five runs, seventy-five RBI. Like. He was fine, but just interesting that uh, only 15. That's one of the deeper dives. I know we don't want to get too far into 2023, but like what drove that? What drove that power outage? Was that fluky or was that? uh, Well,
1: it's interesting though, because like if you look like like, the player raider and whatnot, he didn't kill you, but at the same time, I think he did kill people just for the fact that 15 numbers, you were drafting him probably for 30 plus. And okay. so your whole, like, for people like yourself or myself and others that kind of, like, keep a running chart while you're drafting to keep track of your stats, 15 home runs is a big amount. Like, that's a large chunk when you're starting to, like, look at, you know, projections and everything. And I like, said the story two years ago. I, I went all in on Christian Walker because I wanted the 30-plus homers, and he got me, like, 11. And that just destroys the rest of your entire strategy just went down the drain, basically. So that's where I think that a brain might have – because you're not going to sit him. So that right. makes it a real yep. tricky one He's right there.
2: there. The uh, so speaking of, and I know we're kind of going on going all around, but speaking of Christian Walker, so we yeah. mentioned that top five all finishing in the top six end of season at first base. Christian Walker is the one who again, according, according to the player radar, finished fifth overall among first baseman with uh those 36 home runs and 242 batting average like that was and that was at an adp of 369 he was christian walker was the 29th first baseman off the board in main event drafts and that is just awesome that's free value that you had all season long and christian walker uh definitely came through number five overall when you can get that at around a 480p that's uh those are the types of picks that can win you leagues if you get enough of them yeah and he was a guy i know that we talked
1: about i think around the midway point of the season if you looked like all of his x stats and his hard hit all of his advanced metrics he was like quote-unquote underachieving and if you look at his end of the season like x stats he's still quote-unquote underachieved but it's a lot closer than it was when we first talked so his his overall season, especially second-half surge, was quite impressive from Christian yeah. Walker. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, like, okay, you mentioned his ADP this past year. How much does he jump? Does he, like, get overvalued now? And now it becomes, like, a a whole other conversation. So that will be something definitely fun to look at, as you mentioned, uh, going forward. Uh, some other guys in the mid-rounds that did well. Ty France, and he was injured for a bit, too, which is crazy with 276, 20 home runs, 15th on the play-raider. Anthony Rizzo, even though he had 224, the 32 home runs and six steals, yeah. Had him at 12, but uh, there's a pocket like after Rizzo, there's Voigt, Dahlback, Mancini, Guriel, Scope, oh. and Horkelson. A lot of red, a lot of red. Knock on wood, Scope was the one that I was in on there. Nothing else, thank goodness. But then it gets good. This is where I guess it's either the efficiency of drafters knowing, like, hey, here's my quarter because this is kind of the second pocket. I mentioned that there's two pockets I liked Nathaniel Lowe, ninth overall, hitting 302 at 27 home runs. Rowdy Telez, 13th on the player Raider, 219 with 35 homers. You had Andrew Vaughn, who played very well, probably should have been even better if Drunk Tony played him more often. Then you had Luis Arias and Alec Baum, who were multi-position guys, and then you mentioned Christian Walker. So you have a like a six-pack of players that ranked anywhere from 5th to 21st, but you got them ADP 241 to 369. So that's a very solid corner infield positions. I doubt you waited that long for your starting first baseman, but a great spot
2: to get your corner infield it was it was nathaniel low rowdy we were both big rowdy guys all right i mean different shapes of that production but uh it, it is just funny how you i mean you just kind of went through a bunch of those names it is funny how some of these pockets just totally underperformed and overperformed like if you if you if you fish in that 280p 200 to like 250 Man, I know, I know. We took a hit at HQ with Bobby Dahlbeck. Like we put an upside of 50 home runs on him, and that's going that 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 really stings. And that fell apart. Yuli Gurriel is someone who yeah. um, that's just shocking. That the I mean, he hit two forty two, which is not what you think. You think empty batting average, uh, but the batting average would be like hitting 300, that sort of thing. Hit two forty two, had eight steals in his age 38 season. I think yet still finished 31 overall for first base. So it didn't really get you anything of what you were planning for. So um, just interesting to see like the, the ups of Ty France and Anthony Rizzo right before pick 200 yeah. and then the depths of that group around 200. And then it goes back up again in the 300s with, uh, with Tellez and Bohm and Walker and all those guys.
1: Yeah. And then if you just, if you still waited and were taking darts there wasn't a ton like seth brown was 20th hitting 230 25 homers 11 steals and that was with like a quiet feels like september he really was surging for a bit and kind of quieted down and then brandon drury we all know the season he had eighth on the player iterate in 263 with 28 and two but pretty much after christian walker the 29th first baseman off the board pretty slim pickings so i guess like the moral of the story again 15 team league is if you're going to go two, probably go early and overall just take one early is what I'm seeing so far. Now that's easier said than done. A lot of things have to play out. We kind of talked about it last week. Do you take your pictures, this, that, and the other? But first base, like you said, the market, they nailed this. They nailed it in a big way besides
2: like that other pocket. It was mainly up top is where most of your damage was done. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see. So, yes, like those top performers who did well, will that ADP will just, I think, go up because – well, a couple of things. Um, you have one more year, that consistency, that track record to kind of get there. But now there's this, I don't know, want to say narrative, but with the rule change with this thought that stolen bases might be easier to grab now, I do wonder if there will be a more, a higher emphasis on these quote unquote four category guys. And I, I should probably say four and a half category for some of these guys, like, like Freeman, Alonzo Goldschmidt um, and. I don't even know, Vlad, but eight, eight steals second half is just nuts. Yeah. But um, I, you you are going to have to pay a premium for, for that reason. I think folks are going to believe that you can get steals a little bit later, and thus these kind of power and average bats are going to get pushed up. First base is still just kind of taking a step back and taking a macro. It's still a stolen base. Wasteland. Desert yeah um freddie freeman i think led the position with 13 steals you mentioned seth brown with 11 and like vlad vlad and yuli guriel tied for like third um there's a bar bet for you (laughs) yeah exactly um so that that part of it doesn't really change a lot of power depending you know not many not not much speed yep exactly and uh and I, I think what separates the top from those middle tiers is just is that batting average and all the counting stats that come with it. There are so many first basemen um, who have that power, but not the BA. And uh, yeah. those are almost kind of a diamond dozen later on. Yeah, outside of like your lows and your Teleses and your
1: Walkers, a couple twenty home run guys, but otherwise it's pretty much like fifteen and above if you want twenty plus homers. It's really interesting looking at the position as a whole. It's. Uh, you know, it used to be the position you just weighed on. There's so many guys. You get all the power. There's this, that, and the other. And still a lot of good players. And some of these guys that had down years obviously could flip next year. But uh, there's uh, some very interesting takeaways by looking at this chart that I'm hoping people enjoy when it comes out there to, on Thursday. Uh, before we go to third base, a couple of just kind of fun questions here. Um, when you were drafted, if you can think back to your early draft season, who were some of the most targeted players at first base you were drafting, like
2: your most common picks for the good or the bad, either way? The good or the bad, um, actually got them both on the same team in labor. So that would be Mr. Mister Telez, which was a hit for sure. Um, didn't I thought he had a higher bat who only hit 219. Okay, like, I feel like he... I,
1: wanted, I wanted to tell you this because I talked about it on the Fantrax tool shed on Sunday night. He's a guy hit 219, but 252 XBA, 479 X Slug, 349 X Woba, Highest barrel percentage of his career, second best hard hit rate of his career, um, second best max EV.
2: There's something to dig into there for sure. That's that's interesting. And played pretty much full-time against lefties. I mean, that was the big thing, too, with Tellez going into the season was, are you are you paying for a platoon bat? But they did give Tellez, uh 115 at-bats. Only had four homers with a 209 batting average in those 115 at-bats against lefties, but a 313 OBP, like Telez got on base and was at least playable against lefties. So that was um, interesting. And yeah, Joey Votto was another target of mine. I, this, we talked about this last week on the, on the L show, L show. So I will not rehash uh, my misery with that pick. Just, just thought a hall of fame player could, could, could keep that going one more time with the change in approach and got burned really badly.
1: Yeah, Reese Hoskins was one I was all over, so that paid out well this time around. And I'm all in on him. I'm still in on the guy. I don't see why not. But uh, I like Reese's pieces a lot still. Uh, I mentioned Jonathan Scope. That was one that I missed tremendously on. But I was also like the Nathaniel Lowe and Rowdy Telez's. I was didn't have a ton, but I was looking at both of those guys in that pocket, in that second pocket, if I didn't go Scope. So a lot of Hoskins and Scope is where that went, though. So some good and some bad. Uh, which was the biggest regret of not drafting? I know there's always captain hindsight stuff, but even you probably knew it when you left your draft rooms at times, like, man, I really wish I would have taken a chance on this guy or whatever. And then to watch it like unfold the way it did, you're just like, God, yeah, I should have done that. So who was the guy at first base for you?
2: Um, So I, I, I talked about last week about sometimes I don't follow my own advice. Sometimes that's most of the time that's not intentional, but I wrote up Pete Alonso last year in the forecaster <laughs> And I said, his his ceiling is... All, I concluded, his ceiling is already sky high. Think 2019 plus a few more hits. And in 2019, Pete Alonso hit 53 home runs and hit 260. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, so I said, think 2019 plus a few more hits. And then uh, the floor is catching up as his track record grows. And kind of nailed that in terms of the forecaster. Uh, but forecaster correct boxes are not a a fantasy category and so Pete Alonso is someone I regret drafting or regret not drafting even though I was high on him and I I, I think the big reason for that I mentioned it before was just I was so focused on getting speed or that was like the fourth round where I was starting to maybe look at I know in the main event I took Sandy Alcantara in the in the early fourth I was starting to look at that first pitcher and it was just that I guess point in the draft where Alonzo just didn't fall to me but um it's kind of nuts, man. Like, I mean, dude had 131 RBI, 95 That's runs. game changing. Like, game that's changing. just, yep. And that doesn't get like brought up that much. We nope. usually just talk about batting average and homers. But man, those counting stats with Alonzo, he, um, God, he crushed it crushed it in a big way
1: yeah uh alonzo was mine as well but i'll go to a, my second one since you went pete alonzo and that's just a guy i just i can never get right um freddie freeman i'll just go to the top freddie freeman uh I, the band numbers i didn't expect 325 i don't think anybody did but the 13 steals was tremendous he didn't and, and i think next year he's gonna hit closer to 30 home runs a little more comfortable in la so yeah, that's when I got definitely wrong. I was like a full fade on Freddie. I'm like, why draft Freddie when you can get Olsen or Goldie or something later? And then, and again, I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to wait and get Reese Hoskins, which, again, didn't suck. But, yeah. you know, the the RBIs of Alonzo, as you mentioned, the batting average and steel combination that Freddie Freeman added at the position, that that's pretty tremendous to uh, to alter things as you go on through your draft. And you look back at that quite a bit. Absolutely. All right, let's go to third base. And Like I said, when I glanced over here. We thought first base was done right. Third base might be more impressive out the gate. The top uh, seven drafted players, J-Ram, Devers, Machado, Witt Jr., Austin Riley, Arenado, and Bregman, top seven, all finished in the top eight in the plaz- Razzball Player Raider. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. They went um, anywhere from pick third to 105. I was fooled. J-Ram is the top two picks with Train Turner. So I, I got that part right at least, but... There's a lot of success here Ryan so how did you uh how did you like this top third base position because it was it's pretty darn impressive
2: Yeah I remember back when we said like third base was a terrible position and yeah. that was the that was the thing well up top like I mean, yeah, you, if, if you, if you went early, you got rewarded for it. Like it's, I don't know if I've ever actually seen this where two positions like this, and I guess we'll find out with second base and shortstop. I'm, I'm already curious now. Like, Next week is like, the did, did the market really nail this everywhere? Um, probably could run those numbers pretty quick, but I haven't yet. Uh been busy, but it's just, it's, it's, it's unreal to see uh, seven of the top eight or sorry the top seven all finish in the top eight it uh it worked i was uh, in terms of like third base and i i probably played this wrong but i i basically punted the position i went in i went way late and got like evan longoria um trying to there was another third mustakis that was another one it was like i'm gonna wait till the way end and get Yeah, Moustakis and Evan Longoria. So my strategy at third base did not work out at all because I didn't have much of of J-Ram, didn't have any Devers, Machado, Witt, Riley or not. Riley was actually, we'll talk about, kind of most targeted for good or bad, but he was one of my bigger fades. But um, again, well done to the market for uh, nailing that top seven. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, and you got J Ramos
1: first, Devers sixth in the Raider, Machado second, Bobby Witt fifth with his 20 homers and 30 stolen bases and 254, Riley third, Arenado fourth, Bregman eighth, Arenado fourth. Like, you had the number one first baseman in Goldie and the number four third baseman in Arenado, 293, yeah. 30 homers and five stolen bases. What a great season from Arenado. That was very, very impressive. And, like, you look at these three and, you know, first base, you still had some options and pockets. If you didn't go early at third base, this got difficult. Like, you had the quickly. kind of cherry, cherry pick thing. It was like red, green, green, red, green, red, 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 green, red, 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 red. red. It's, it's, it's pretty rough going through here. So, I'll just kind of quickly, Muncie, obviously, a red. But Justin Turner was 14th. Uh, Ryan McMahon, 15th. Your 11th, third baseman, Moncado was 29th. Matt Chapman, your 12th, was 10th. So, we'll kind of stay in that pocket for now. At least three out of the five were uh, green at 10th, 14th, and 15th with Turner, McMahon, and Chapman. And Chapman kind of had a, a really hot, I think, like, month, month and a half but it, it worked out in the overall scheme of things. And I'm still waiting for Ryan McMahon to bust out. Like I think there's so much more there, and he still doesn't do it, but it's good enough. It's just I think there's more.
2: Yeah, I think we put an upside of McMahon at 30 homers in the forecaster last year. Yes, we did. And I mean, got 27 steals. Like that's that's fine. It it's it's not good to hit 246 in Coors. that's the that's the thing that I will say. Like coors is such a uh such a batting average haven that to play half your games there and only hit two forty six. And and really like, I mean, strikeout rate is low or is high and not good, I should say. Um, uh, but hits plenty of line drives. Like I I don't know, I feel like that'll come up a little bit, but yep. um I don't know. I've probably been saying that forever with, with Ryan McMahon, but every year I write that, I think. Every single year. Just know. waiting for it to happen. It just never does. But the uh, other I mean the disappearing act, you'll you want to kata, man. Like oh, dude
0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
2: Pause in the pod as Freddie Freeman. It's a double. We got two outs in the nine. Josh Hader is... is Tying run into the plate. I had run to the plate. Speaking of Freddie Freeman, oh, he uh, is, is not listening to the pot at this moment, but... Uh, yeah, yeah but. God forbid.
1: Yeah, Yon a disappearing act. Um, it's gotten bad between injuries and just lack of just overall production. They just, it's bad, bad, right? Like, I don't even know if I can trust drafting
2: him again. He's gonna, eventually going to be an amazing value, but I just don't know if I can even do it. That's the thing, like, and this is, I mean, this is almost like a, I don't know, like, trying to think of a comp but like a grady size more or like type of type of career arc where like so good so early had the prospect pedigree and then I don't know what's going on uh, really the last three seasons Elon Makata has done absolutely nothing and still only I mean next year will be his age 28 season like you can't really give up on the guy he's gonna be dirt cheap um, definitely not gonna have the whatever one uh 58 ADP that he had last year but man it's just crazy how he has he has disappeared off the face
0: yeah, one guy uh,
2: and, and I know I know we're we're Dodger focused here a little bit but like I know we've talked about Muncie like huge bust but did turn it around I know you're not the biggest Muncie guy Bubba um uh, with the strong finish like hit 261 in August 259 in September 12 home runs those last two months like Are you interested at all?
1: Yeah, because you know what sucks is before the news came out about how bad his elbow was last season, I wrote up content saying Mm -hmm. I'm finally in on him. Like, I literally tweeted something out looking at his profile. Like, if you like consistency in your draft, like, why wouldn't you like 30 plus, 30 plus, 30 plus? Like, this, like, he just puts it out every year. Like, this is what he does. And I really think he was just too hurt this year. Like it's the problem. So a full off season, I hope they do some, like they're not going to have surgery though. So I don't know how I trust it, but seeing the development as the season went on, I think I'll be in next year. Cause I'm thinking he might fall a bit too. So I'll, I'll be intrigued on Muncie.
2: Interesting. He loses. Uh, he loses first base eligibility, but he'll be, and this is something that as we prep for 23, like, a got to know who's a free agent B, what their new position eligibility but muncie will be second and third so he actually loses first but picks the up middle third field and corner infield that's yeah, pretty, pretty darn
1: good pretty, pretty darn
2: good pretty golden yeah man i keep looking
1: like as you're talking i just pulled up a bunch of Moncada stats and it's just he's pretty much league average and everything but he just does not produce it's pretty wild looking at everything with him so definitely i got to look at further as the yeah. uh, the off season goes on because it's the pedigree so there like you said um, but yeah, Muncie is a guy like I was so close to doing it. And then the news came out. So I backed off again, but there's something there that I'm hoping he, uh, he gets right. Um, going farther down, like DJ LeMay, he's not even playing in the ALDS. Josh Donaldson. That was a big failure of mine. Taking that L in a heartbeat right now. Um, Eduardo Escobar, Bobby Tallback, but then you have Eugenio Suarez. We went red, 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 green ninth on the player Raider, 236, 31 homers, no stolen bases. I mentioned on the Fantrax pod that, uh, great obp numbers as well phenomenal obp numbers i had him in tout wars all season i drafted him in tout wars so that worked out pretty well like phenomenal obp guy but um it's one of those things ryan like we've seen this from Henry before none of us expected it in seattle because he looked great american small park like do we buy back in on this for next year because i'm not paying for helium but if he still goes late like we saw this past year he went at pick um where'd he go here at 239
2: if you waited on third base, Ryan, like you did, is this a guy you'd be willing to take a chance on? Uh, I mean, it, the the price, and I hate saying depends on the price, but like this Dodgers is the, this is the same, yeah, 5'3", hater locks it up. So yeah, but, Bubba same. just got a little bit happier. So the, yeah. the second half of the pod, he'll be will be pretty joyous. A little on edge so yes, far. Yes. <laughs> um, Suarez, uh, dude, is so interesting. He has essentially been the same exact hitter the last four years and i hate to like rattle off numbers but i'm just gonna i'm contact rate which is basically what we use in versus strikeout rate at hq 60 it hasn't been great but 67 66 66 64 percent each of the last four seasons um not good but always the same so when eugenio suarez so the batting averages uh to go along with those contact rates in 2019 271 then way down 202 109 in 2020 and 21 and then back up to 236 i feel like he's probably about a 240 hitter on the power side suarez we use expected power index at hq it's a, it's a go-to for me it's been it was barrel rate before barrel rate was was cool um 145 147 132 149 league average for that number for that metric is 100 every year so um suarez has been elite power consistently elite power and home run totals in those uh seasons i know 2020 you know 15 homers you prorate that out 49 back in 2019 and 31 31 each of the last two seasons so like this is i mean Eugenio suarez you're getting 240 30 home runs with a good amount of of rbi um and in, in a pretty good lineup if he's if he's in Seattle next year so um long way of saying like this is always this has been the same core person with the strikeouts but with the power the results and thus the adp has fluctuated a lot it's gonna be a little bit pricier next next year so I'm not sure I'll be in but um plan for 240 30 home runs and and see where that see where that rates out projection wise next season. And, you know, honestly, if you can pencil it
1: in where he's getting drafted, that's amazing because usually most people getting drafted, there's like a lot of question marks involved. I can like put in those numbers. That's a pretty nice uh, little uh, saving grace to put through there. Again, these are um, off-season podcasts. We'll deviate once in a while. I'm just throwing this out there. Turn the Zozo on. Tom yep. Kim's caddy has a Padres hat on. I thought that was entertaining. He's not He's not going wear, like the Titleist logo. He's wearing the Padres hat. So that stood out like a sore thumb. Right up. The, the gate. popularity to, grows. Yeah, I just had to throw it out there. He's like, you know, most caddies wear the free, you know, titleless hats or whatever. Nope, he's wearing an MLB San Diego Padres fitted hat. So that's what he's rolling with. Postseason baseball, baby. Um, that's awesome.
2: All right. Um, actually, all right. one guy, one guy you brought up. I want to, I, I want to not to rub it in your face, but you no, said you took Donaldson. the L with Donaldson. Like, yeah. I would. I, the, the interesting thing for me with Donaldson was like, I wouldn't have been surprised at all to say at the end of the season he hit 261 with 12 homers and finished what Rasball says, 24th overall at the position. I wouldn't have been surprised at all about that, but I would have thought it's because he only got like 200 at bats. Exactly. So exactly. just, just yeah. interesting that he played not the whole season, but good. a lot of it and, um and only only put that together. Like I'm sure your thought was I'm willing to take some, some injury risk to bet on the uh-huh. skills on a per game basis. Yeah, because, like, you
1: look at uh, the, the deeper numbers outside of, like, a massive injury season. It's like 25 to 30-plus home runs every single season, like, with a decent batting average. Like, you can kind of pencil certain things in, kind of like Antonio Suarez at a point, and it's just like, pff, that did not happen. So that was a, a tricky one as well. After that, um, Heimer Candelario was 28th on the play radar. I was all in on Heimer, so that one really stung. And he had Luis Urias, Nicky Lopez, Harry Sung Kim, all struggled. A couple green spots here. Josh Rojas, two sixty nine, nine home runs and twenty three stolen bases, and I think there's more power there. So that's uh, an interesting one going forward. Luis Arias, obviously three sixteen with eight home runs and four stolen bases. Those are your thirteenth and twelfth on the player radar. You got anything on those green guys or some of the red ones I mentioned?
2: Yeah, I I don't know what you think about uh, Luis Arias. Like, I just never can draft him because I can't trust the yes. empty stuff. It's so tough. yeah. Like I'm this no, I'm the same exact way. It's and like, like, the like Stephen
1: Kwan of the infield, I just can't do it.
2: Hey, hey, don't don't hate on don't hate on old Quan that, just because i picked him a couple weeks and weekends in our in our game and took them free golf because of it uh yeah, you, don't, you don't need to hold that, that grudge yeah. that was
1: ridiculous like the, that's a, that might go down to the history books of the bum blo- and the bloom yeah. games
2: right there don't, that don't 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 hate on on Quan. um instead of, instead of throwing f-bombs that way we golf also yell Quan. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> um but yeah i can't really roster Araya's either like from a valuation standpoint it looks great like the you know, 12th overall for third base all because of that 316 batting average and it, i shouldn't say all because of that 88 runs too like that's something we don't talk about that 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 does happen so i hate this i don't want to call him a one category guy he's pretty much a two category guy but i just i really struggle to get eight home runs and four steals over a full season from somebody like that so Um, I'm still probably like totally off of Luis Arias just because I don't see any real upside in those counting stats. Uh, He's just a hard roster. He's someone who I feel like because of batting average, the valuation will always look good. But from a roster construction standpoint, like it's, it's, it's tough. You need to like almost neutralize that with like a, like a Nikki Lopez and Joey Gallo or something. And you know what happens when, when those two start messing with your team. Yeah. Yeah, you start taking way too many
1: chances when you take guys like that. Yeah, um, the other only green guys we got down here, you have Alec Baum finished 11th, hitting 280, 13 homers, two stolen bases. Patrick Wisdom was the hint of green at 16th, 207, 25 homers, 8 stolen bases. He was the 29th third baseman off the board at 378. Then Brandon Drury, the final third baseman yes. that was not drafted, he is number seven overall. So he was number eight at first base, seven at third base. I don't think I'll be drafting him anywhere in 2023, but we'll wait and see there. But um, again, if you just look at these boards, Ryan, if you
2: didn't take one early, it was a rough sledding to get it done at the third base position. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, the same, same general like theme of first base is you've got to, and that, and that'll be the theme going into 2023. Is you've got a rock solid kind of tier one tier one a for both of these positions and the middle just seems completely hollow for me um i i don't know like josh rojas is is an interesting one bubba that you mentioned like because i i also see that power ticking up and I, i was just surprised at the 23 stolen bases like josh rojas was he was cut in I know a lot of 12 teamers. He in, wasn't drafted in 15. a lot he was injured for like the first month and a half or something. Yeah, that's right. And that's right. And in June, he hit 216 with one home run. <laughs> um, so, like, patience worth in with Josh Rojas. And second half, man, hit 266, 18 steals, five homers. Um, pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, pretty, pretty solid for sure. We'll do some of the same
1: stuff we did at the first base position now. Who are your most targeted for good or bad
2: at third base? Um, God, most targeted. I so I, I mentioned Longoria and Moustakas, so I will ring myself through the mud again for that. Um, uh, did get Suarez on my main event team, just like you had in tout, Bubba. So it was nice to just kind of plug that in and go. Um, another target, and this is going to sound bad now, but this was a multi position guy who was going to play every day and give i thought at the time modest five category production that for basically free and drafts and that was josh harrison yeah, um, just josh harrison too. just yeah. i i thought he i thought he could even hit near the top of the order for the white Sox and and and, and rack up those counting sets so josh harrison was a miss got him in tout works for cheap and uh i guess got what i paid for um justin turner had always always been a fan of justin turner um had him, he was kind of one of the, if I went early ish on third base, that was one, but I, I did not shop in that, that first tier of third baseman. I got J Ram, I think on one team only just because I had like a top three pick and I thought he was, yeah. he was that good. Um But didn't, didn't pretty much punted on third base and got burned for it myself.
1: Yeah. J Ram was my target. If I could get there, like you said, but if I didn't get there, it was, I did like a lot of Ryan McMahon. That was a popular Josh Donaldson. That did not work out well uh heimer candelario did not work out well so third base was a uh if i didn't get Ram, it was probably a challenge for me a lot of the season because um yeah did not end so well looking it's back in- at some of those guys
2: it's interesting the power at third base looks a little bit more looks a little deeper than at third or than at first you've got a few more 20 home run guys you've got like your chapman escobar you got suarez later on it down. Seems more topic, 31 either. um you know, yeah the late guys aren't there there's just none Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Once you get out of like, or what it was last year, like those top 20 rounds, it it's, it's gone Um, a little bit more speed, but not really. You've got maybe a handful of guys who had over, over 10 steals. So um, from a roster construction standpoint, if you get a J Ram, obviously he's going to, he was a top five pick in our 2023 Early DC, but even like Bobby Witt, if, if we're expecting or projecting a 30 steal repeat, um, that's going to really set you ahead in steals at third base uh, just because it it goes down very quickly. All right. I'm going to
1: um, check something real quick because I am really curious looking at the uh, these charts. How did Jose Miranda not make even one of these lists? He's first base and third base eligible. So we're going to have some fun here. I pulled up the player Raider. Um, I got to see it just for my own sanity here. because he he Yeah, he might
2: he, have, it might be because of the ADP. I don't think he was yeah, would Yeah,
1: that's why he went off the ADP chart too. That's what it, what it probably was, 100%. Like, let me pull him up here. Yeah. Um, Uh, It's still loading. But Uh, uh, okay, while this loads, what was your biggest regret for the good or the bad
2: at the the position? um, So outside of not going in that that top tier it was fading austin riley i guess that's kind of the same thing but i remember a first pitch last year's that comping austin riley to ryan mountcastle like similar type of batting average with similar type of power and and that was wrong uh for sure like austin riley I, I i thought the batting average last year was was a pretty much a complete fluke and he turned around and hit 273 uh with those 38 home runs so um well done, Austin Riley, for proving me wrong.
1: Well, Jose Miranda was 30th at the first base position. So, maybe not. Interesting. Huh. That surprises me. I thought he was much, much better than that. So, before I, we had a listener go, hey, what about this guy? I wanted to throw that out there real quick because it stood out to me all of a sudden. Um, third base position, biggest regret for me. I was a fade on Riley as well, just like you. Um, but I'll probably go back to it again. Josh Donaldson. I was heavily invested in Josh Donaldson. So, that one stung a lot, and um, yeah, between that, like I mentioned, Jonathan Scope before, might be one at every position. Might sum up why the season the way it went. But uh, and most of these guys, like I said last week, they're in the middle rounds.
2: Common theme yeah. for my struggles. A
1: lot of those are in the middle rounds.
2: So, and it's funny, like as we'll continue on with these previews to see which positions did hit those middle rounds. And again, like you don't, you you don't want to look too much into one year and call it a trend but when you're formulating kind of these off-season draft plans i think it is important to see like what happened last year and and which positions were fruitful in those middle rounds because uh it absolutely was not corner infield um i can say that with confidence a lot i mean quick shout out to like in terms of someone i was targeting this wasn't like a draft day target but i was pretty quick to jump on the brandon Drury train. um And that worked out really well. Like the early season power metrics looked great, but then you also had at the time, great American small park and um, everyday playing time with Cincinnati. So that, that kind of went down a little bit at the end of the season with Drury when he got traded to a worse park and a team where he didn't play like every single day. Uh, But Brandon Drury, 268, 23 or 263 with 28 home runs um, off of fab for not much of fab is is a, was a pretty big win for a bunch of folks out there. It looks like on fan graphs are saying he's a
1: free agent next year too. So that can make things interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah, that can make things interesting to see where he lands for one. Um and I'm just I'm concerned like Great American Small Park was great, but uh, I was worried about his time in San Diego. I think he still played fine, did fun, but I was just like worried about playing time production, a lot of things and he did well, so I'm curious to see where his ADP is starting out here and where he lands, like not knowing where he's going to play is a healthy gamble. I know it's like Captain Obvious stuff, but that's a healthy gamble, talking about Brandon Jury, So that'll make it fun as well. But um, yeah, it was quick. It was fun. It was was interesting to see these, like the visualization of the bloom boards is in full effect, looking at the greens on the tops of these. And I don't see it changing much for 2023, to be honest. I think there's going to be a lot of similarities, at least at these two positions. We'll see how the other ones look. In the coming weeks, but uh, any final thoughts? Any weekend the playoff thoughts? As we have uh, both NL series now tied at one, we have the AL taken over on Thursday
2: for their game too. So got some fun. Just just hoping for as much playoff baseball as possible. Um, another, in, I mean, an interesting subplot is like so with San Diego winning Wednesday night. Oh yeah, Fernando Tatis has one more game uh, next year, so like. <laughs> San Diego is just playing as many games as possible. They were one of the few series, or maybe the only series, that went to game three. Um, Both of so.
1: them went three, I thought. No, maybe no, no. Philly, I think uh, Philly, Philly, yeah, Philly, yeah. Philly swept. San
2: Diego. you're right. Philly um, swept San Luis, so comeback. only got one game yeah, on Sunday. Right.
1: Um, and somebody tweeted out, I think if they go five games against the Dodgers, I think Tatis comes back at like the end of the first month of the season. Yeah. like yeah. It becomes like a two-and-a-half-week thing now, which makes it... A lot more interesting like i think in the first dc that was not ours the one that's actually been going on in fbc i think someone took him in early round three
2: is what i saw so okay. it's going to get interesting to see where that, that continues to just, change i think that'll just go up i know yeah. i know zach waxman took him i think fourth round yeah. in our our way early one but um so that that's an interesting plot like i i mean just in general playoff wise bubba are you are you factoring any of this stuff in for next year, or are you just kind of ignoring playoff small samples?
1: I look at it. I don't, like, ignore it, ignore it, but I also kind of take it with a grain of salt because you're facing elite pitching. Matchups are crazy. Like, sure, you want to see some guys do well, but yeah. I'm not going to go all in on it. Like, on yeah. shortened seasons, like, yeah, Rose of of the world and stuff. Well, that was great to see. But on a season like this, if all of a sudden some random guy pops up, like, it's not going to change my thoughts on Jake Cronenworth just because he went yard tonight. Like, I've always been a fan of Drake or stuff
2: like that so it's funny we'll you mentioned the short season because that is like the one year 2020 where, where i mattered. did use it just because yeah. like i mean we only had 60 games to go on anyway and the playoffs were expanded that year just uh frankly so mlb could recoup make money. some money um, but that is one time that was the Erosa year, yep. so um, yep. that, that, so that kind of mattered. They showed guys like Altuve and some other guys with slow stars but huge postseasons. It kind of yeah.
1: you know parlayed into the coming year, so made sense. Like, yeah, you pay attention to it, but I'm, the, I'm more worried about just giving the second half of the regular season. Like, we've already talked about certain guys like Vlad with eight steals, you know, bring you with what five home runs. Like, yep. what are those things going on? That seems a little more interesting to me, so I'd rather dig into that and see where we go. But, um, I think we'll wrap it up there we got some more fun coming for you guys next week, second base shortstops and middle infield action. If you guys like anything added to this, let us know. If you have any questions, let us know. We'll take care of all those things as well. as We're just reviewing and having fun. Ryan's writing, 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 so he's getting it going there. I'll have some stuff coming out for you pretty soon as well. But uh, until then, Ryan's on Twitter at RyanBHQ, the written content at BaseballHQ.com. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick. Catch you guys next time.